0: Kimberly Hayes Day Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the first season of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. Full disclosure, we're Southern. We are. You may hear y'all. Y'all. Mm-hmm. It happens. <laughs> This season is brought to you by our generous sponsor, Grant Writing USA. Grant Writing USA delivers training programs across America that dramatically enhance performance in the areas of grant writing, grant management, and grant maker research. They have coached, trained, and consulted for nearly 15,000 top-ranked organizations and more than 25,000 individual achievers from every imaginable domain, leaders of government, Philanthropists, academics, outstanding nonprofit managers, top performing staffers, just your everyday heroes. Another, full disclosure when we're not entertaining you, we hope we are both trainers for Grant Writing USA. At the end of this episode and throughout season one, we will be sure to let you know about upcoming offers at Grant Writing USA just for our listeners of Fundraising Heyday. That's right. Now, Kimberly, today, what exactly are we talking about on this, our
1: final episode of Fundraising Heyday's inaugural season? Final countdown. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I played that in middle school band on the flute. <laughs> that you, makes me think of that. Girl, no, you actually played. I played the flute in, in middle school. All right,
0: you, mm-hmm. people of a certain age, listeners out there, just, <laughs> let's just step back and move on with our lives, okay? Oh, wow, I did not know that about you, Amanda. There you go. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, moving, <laughs> moving on, on. to Grant. Since we <laughs> talked about foundations and corporations on our last episode, today we're covering the other side of the coin, public funding. Woohoo! What? So Amanda is really going to be driving that car today talking about federal funding, but I would like to introduce and perhaps provide some color commentary on Absolutely. the way. So if you're going to think about public funding, think about three main buckets where that money could come from. And the, the granddaddy, macdaddy, and big daddy of them all <laughs> is federal funding, which is from the federal government, but To take it back a quick step, it's actually funded by taxpayers, your tax dollars at work. So federal funding, certainly the largest bucket of them all. Then state funding, which kind of makes sense when you go Mm -hmm. down the ladder. Some of state funding actually comes from the federal government in the form of block grants and other things that Amanda's going to be talking about. And finally, uh, the smaller bucket, but also very important, would be more localized funding. Certainly in Atlanta, we're very fortunate to have our main counties that are also grant-making institutions to nonprofits in the area. And then there could also be some giving at the city level, depending on where you are, the size of your city, the strength of the tax base, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the three main buckets of public funding.
1: Absolutely. The pro side to why you would want to go after that public money is on the federal level, there has been on average $600 billion available every year. With
0: a B, with a B. With a a B, B,
1: yes. So lots and lots of money – Certainly more than on the foundation corporate side. So, even though there's more strings attached, Mm -hmm. more money available. And because of this, you can usually find money for your larger or your longer term projects. And so that's what makes it worthwhile, which I would say. I'm not going to go after a federal grant for a ten thousand dollar project mm, because girl, no. the amount of hoops she—it's just not worth it. No. So we're talking, you know, half a million, million plus type
0: projects. <laughs> yes, Amanda's a grant queen, y'all. She's like not even for four hundred thousand. It's got to be half a. You know
1: million. what? I, I have written a couple of grants, uh, some especially big transportation grants. Yeah. Like we got one for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and after all was said and done, we were like it. It would have been cheaper to do it on our own dime because of all the federal things, environmental protections and things you have to do, which are all great and fabulous things. So, yeah, so sometimes if it's not, it's not a big, depending on the project, you know, especially if, but I'm talking transportation, big type projects that you want it to be. You want some cash coming your way. You want it worth
0: it. And also, we go more in-depth in another one of our podcasts in this first season about when to say no No. to a grant, when to walk away. So that's just a smidgen of an example. Absolutely.
1: Another nice thing about federal dollars and public money is that it funds so many different types of organizations. A lot of times on the foundation corporate side, they're focused on the 501c3 nonprofits. Mm -hmm. They do occasionally fund local governments and schools and universities, but it's mostly nonprofits, whereas with federal grants, no matter who you are, if you are a local government Government, a university, an Indian tribe, mm-hmm. um, even a think tank, you know, mm-hmm. if, some true. sort of research organization, lots and
0: lots of grants available no matter who you are. And part of the reason that corporate and private foundations mainly go for 501c3s is that's by law, that's who yes. they need to distribute to, so just putting that out there. Yeah,
1: they, they're not doing it because they're mean, they just <laughs>
0: follow the rules,
1: and we like good rule followers here at, well, at Fundraising most of the time, anyway. <laughs> um, another benefit is that you know the programs are such a wide variety of things, whether you're looking for money for public safety or health, education, art, transportation, um, they're just the list that even doesn't even... Touch the surface. The of environment. The, yes, absolutely. So, no matter what your topic is, chances are there's somebody out there that's funding the work you're doing. And then, last but not least, a nice benefit about um, federal dollars is that they do provide that indirect funding. I think we talked about that in a previous podcast about how it's hard to find grant money for operating support, but you can use indirect. On federal grant budgets.
0: And operating support, things like keeping your lights on, keeping your copier running, making sure that the trash gets taken out by the county on a regular basis, those kinds of things that aren't directly involved with the program, but yet keep the whole shoot and match moving along. Absolutely. So so that's the pros. Now the
1: cons to going after federal funds is, and we've already hinted at this, there are lots and lots and lots of rules and regulations. A great place to start if you're interested in Federal funding is to read um, from the Office of Management and Budget or OMB. Oh, it's exciting I reading. No, yeah. it is, mm. isn't it? Um, <laughs> read their latest circular and guidelines. The current guidelines that we all follow, it's known as the Super Circular. Its official name, oh, wait. Kimberly's getting it's excited. It's the Super Circular! <laughs> yes, it is. Officially, it's the 2 CFR Part 200, but that's real boring. We like to call it the Super Circular. Um, so that goes over all the administrative rules and regulations, and the cost Codes, you know, the cost requirements basically what you can and cannot spend your money on, and rules about that A 133 or the single audit that's necessary if you spend more than $750,000 in federal funds during your fiscal year. year. Um, So that's a great place to start learning the rules and regulations, but also that's. That's not all of it though. Like not everything is contained there. Wait, there's more. I uh, know there's more. So uh, an important thing to is to read your grant agreement requirement in that terms and conditions section. It's going to tell you all of those things you have to follow. And they can be things like if it's a construction project, you have to follow that lovely Davis Bacon Act. And this has
0: nothing to do with Bronshaw. No, We're just going to say that. Nothing.
1: Just basically making that all the contractors you hire are paying their workers fair wages. It may be you have to buy American. So you don't, you know, now, you may find the cheapest thing on your budget in China, but you can't do that. So you got to buy it in the good old USA. Also, it could be sometimes you have to follow, there's a rule about hiring veterans, that you have to give preference mm-hmm. to veterans if you're hiring for a, a job that's funded with federal dollars.
0: And we're not saying that these are Bad things oh, no. at all. We're saying that these are requirements yes. for the majority of federal funding that Amanda's talking about yes. today. Please don't oh no misunderstand. <laughs> yes,
1: um, but just know there are lots of rules and regulations and hoops that have to be jumped through. Which again, no, not a bad thing. There's a purpose and a reason behind them all, but it's going to require extra work for your organization because of because you have to follow them. So another thing is because of all of this, it usually takes a lot longer to complete your projects. It's not like you get to do it with your own money and can just kind of quickly test things out. There's, it's going to extend the timeline. So that's, I do have one client that um, has some projects that they, I found some great federal sources for them, but they're like, you know what, we'd really rather not go that route because we want this project done within a year or two. And we know if we use this, it's probably going to be three, four, five years just because of the process.
0: And I don't know about your client, but for some organizations, they just may not have the human resources to handle that time of grant management, absolutely. not only in finance, but in the program staff. If it's a construction project, the engineers, there are all kinds of extra steps that you need to take. Mm-hmm. And even though the money is usually bigger than what you could get through private funding, there are a lot, a lot of uh, sort of background, back office things that need to be in place for you to handle that. Absolutely and you're right and
1: so sometimes you're not ready and it's going to cost your agency more time and money because mm-hmm. of said hoops because it's you you know you probably want a grants administrator either on staff that you hire as a consultant um, depending on the projects you may need an engineering firm on call that can help with that you know so you just never know it's going to it's going to cost you more mm-hmm. um, so it's you've always again going back to that is it worth it or not it's just a decision you have to make and sometimes even though it's a lot of money it's better to say no one the things on the con side is that the reporting can be much more intense too. That's true. So usually I have a lot more documents, you know, maybe more often that you're reporting a lot of more information you're having to share with your funder. So that's the con. But even though there are cons, I know a lot of agencies that have done some really great things and probably wouldn't have been able to do it without federal dollars. So
0: that's not a bad thing. True that. And another good thing about seeking federal funding is more often than not, Your program officer, who is the person that you, the grant professional, would be contacting regarding the proposal, questions, questions about the application process, any technical training they may offer, generally... I have found in my federal experience, which is not as vast as Amanda's, I have found program officers by and large to be very helpful and pretty responsive. Again, it's in their best interest to make sure that the money is distributed to organizations who have people who can handle the requirements, who can use the money for transformation in the communities that they serve. And I would always recommend whether you're brand new to this uh, federal grant-seeking process or you've been doing this for 20 years, always reach out to the program officer. Always attend the technical training if they offer it. They're usually very, very helpful. That being said, you know, sometimes you, you might find someone who who is not loving life at that moment. But I would say, by and large, most folks are super responsive. And I think that the federal government itself has made enormous progress in providing extra information to help you along your grant-seeking journey. Yeah, a
1: lot of organizations have helpful, like webinars mm-hmm. you can attend, FAQs, those kind of things. And I, and you're right. I've in, I would say 99% mm-hmm. of the ones I've worked with have been very helpful. They Cause could. I mean, yeah. like you said, they want you to do a good job because that makes their life easier because if you don't, then it's going to take them more time to come in and clean up or they may have to do a site visit. Then they may have to, maybe they have to recommend that you have an audit done because mm. things aren't going well. So they want you to do well. So typically they're helpful. So I always tell people, don't be afraid to call and ask questions. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I get a grant, that's usually one of my first steps is I go ahead and call that program officer and introduce myself like, hey, you, this is me, just got this grant, <laughs> looking forward to working with you. And the reason I like to call them straight away, a couple of things. Number one, I always ask like, hey, I've, I've never managed this grant program before. Do you have any tips, like things that typically trip people up or any advice for oh, me starting good. out? I know. Um, but also- Amanda <laughs> I says, I know. I know what <laughs> I'm doing. It, it, it only took me about 15 years to get this all figured out, but- <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Now, I'm still learning. Um, but another reason is I've learned too, nothing goes the way you thought it was going to go when you wrote that grant application, right? There's always going to be some weird. Oh, no, no.
0: No, in my life, everything always goes perfectly according to plan. I'm, so I want I'm your just going to choose, girl. You, know, <laughs> you probably want what I smoked before I came in here, which, which was nothing, boys and girls, which was nothing. That's bad. Don't even. But I'm just saying, yes, life will rear its ugly head. Yes. So I want my first conversation with that program director to be
1: a fun and happy and nice call. And they think I'm competent. (laughs) Not like, hey, we've never talked, but crap. We have totally messed up. Help. So that's not the phone call anyone wants to make or receive. No, never don't want to make it. But if you do, I'd like to already have established (laughs) some sort of rapport with them. So they don't think I'm a hot
0: mess from the get go. (laughs) Remember me? Everything's crap now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I, I, I hear you. I
1: hear you. Um, now, I will tell you, just because, you know, we, we have had great experience, that doesn't mean that, like Kimberly says, not all program officers are created equal. Nope. I have had a, a couple of instances, probably my worst example, and I'm not going to I'm not gonna name funders because we don't do that, but I um, had a funder called up. It was a report. It was a, a typical report that most funders have you do, but each agency usually has like their own version because they may yeah. have their, you know, their logo on it. And I just couldn't find it anywhere in the documents. So I just called it my program officer officer because that's what I do and said hey I'm ready to turn in a report can't find an electronic version you know in my files can you send one to me and her response was I'm busy um, you can google that and figure it out for yourself nice which is true I was able to do that but yeah not she, I just assumed she was stressed and I tried not to call her unless it was a dire emergency mm, we've just got to move on yeah but that's not typical no usually no, no. usually they're much better than that so Anyway, I've even had one program officer that we talk so well that we're, we don't, I don't even write grants for that agency anymore. And we stay in touch because we're friends because. Have you made them pies? I may have made pies for them. I think you might have. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but yeah, so you could make new friends. Who knew? (laughs) Never know. We're going to make a friend. Especially down here in the South. So let's talk about with the federal agency, you were always going to have an award agreement. We told when we were talking about the corporations, I told you about my grant from Target where they just sit me a, a check. Send a check, have a nice day. Yes, which blew my mind. Cause but it I was also... Like for what, for a thousand dollars? Like fifteen hundred dollars, yes. It, it's very different animal. It, absolutely. But even if you do have a small grant from a federal agency, they are going to give you an award agreement. Yep. Um so you're always gonna have one. It's always gonna give you way more information than you ever thought you needed to know. They're never one page. They're they're long. They reference all these random rules and regulations you have to follow. Tell you when you can start and when things can end and when reports are due and you know, how much money you get and there's lots of lots of information.
0: Which is an important point about when the grant starts, because it may not start when you think it's supposed to start, which is when you have the check in your hand or when you get the award agreement. Right, Amanda? Sometimes it's starts a can, little bit later, exactly. or sometimes it starts a
1: little before. I've had that experience. I've had one where we get the award agreement and supposedly the grant started six months prior to that. Why, I was yes, like, I have what? To. <laughs> yeah. So, to our point, read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's boring. I get it.
0: Read the whole thing and share it with the finance person yes. that you have a particular fondness for. And actually, the finance person that you work with who is going to help you manage this, and y'all together can set up your plan of yes. action for how to report.
1: And I would always let our... Um, city attorney read it as well just to make sure that there wasn't anything legal in there that he had an issue with so it was just kind of fair uh, enough so you may want that but one of the nice things though about your award agreement it gives you the good ones anyway, not all of them, but most of them are going to let you know all about reporting when reports are due, when you can find copies of them, just all of that stuff. So that's <laughs> except all for the except for
0: evil Google lady. <laughs> yes. Well,
1: <laughs> see, like I said, not, I'm busy. I'm busy. Oh. oh, well, but anyway, so award agreement is a very important document when you've got federal grants. One of the things, and maybe we should have started out with this, but a couple of things we want to share with you about, some requirements that your agency has to do. No, no
0: girl, we're, we're building up to the good stuff okay, now. Okay, gotcha. Now. Come gotcha. on with this, come on this journey with
1: us, y'all. Come on. The things you have to have done if you want to receive federal dollars. So for any organization to be eligible for federal grants, there are three things you have to do. Number one, you get that...
0: Dun, dun, duns. <laughs> I see what
1: you did there. Whoa. Look at that. See, we're going to get a duns number. I'm saying D-U-N-S. Um, if you just... Now, here I am telling you to Google it. <laughs> Is that awful? Uh, Amanda no. don't have time, oh, y'all. Just sorry. Google it, all right? Now, if you Google duns number <laughs> or... Now Kimberly's going to have me in stitches over here. No. Um, you can no also girl. Google Dunn and Bradstreet. They are the company that provides Dunn's numbers. They're a credit company. Um, but you need a Dunn's number. It's a nine-digit Number, um, and it's a way for the federal government to track where all their money is going. So you've got to have this unique number, and it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Dunn and Bradstreet does other. They do. They sell things. You don't have to buy anything from them though. It's free to get your Dunn's number online. It says it'll take you thirty-one days. Yeah, I had a client recently get one in an hour. It's usually pretty automated and quick. But
0: don't assume that you're gonna get it in an That's hour. That's true.
1: Be prepared, and so. Anyway, so you get your DUNS number, and that's great. Now, whether your organization, there's two ways you can do it. You could have one DUNS number for your entire organization, or you could have a separate DUNS number if you're a large agency and maybe every department wants to have one. That's an option, too. Would that be maybe for a university? A university, larger cities may want to do that. True that, true that. So it it really just depends. There's no right or wrong answer. I have always worked for probably mid to smaller agencies. Mm-hmm. I like one number because that's just one thing to, to keep to track, up because yeah. if for every DUNS number you have, you have to do all these other steps as well. So it's just, it's a, it's a personal choice. Now, once you get your DUNS number, you need to move on over to grants.gov. So that's a federal website where you can do grant research, but it's also where you can apply for federal grants. So to be able to do those applications, you
0: have to register your organization. And they have lots and lots of really good free information, and they even have an app for your smartphone. They sure they do. They sure I'm
1: getting all fancy, fancy. up in here. <laughs> uh,
0: but you go to Grants.gov, and you register, not
1: you, but your organization. I will tell you, I think the first time I registered an agency, I got it done in about two or three weeks, all said and done. I have heard horror stories where it has taken months to get the registration True complete. That. It's basically, you're answering a lot of questions, you know, the year your organization was incorporated, how many employees you have, what your annual budget is, what services you provide. There's just a lot of things fill in the blank you do. You do some parts, you hit submit, they look it over, then they'll send you more questions. It's a back
0: and forth thing. Um, So again, be prepared that that could take some time. And it's also super useful if you have that working relationship with your finance department. This is something that I did for an agency where I worked and. we worked together because there are a whole lot of financial documents and requirements, and she took the lion's share of that, and I was gathering data from other sources. Very so nice. So team approach is yes. good here. And once you're done with that Grants.gov registration, just know you're going to get a lot of passwords,
1: basically. They oh, like give you like a T-PIN number and an M-PIN number, and all kinds of authorized users can get access. Write all that stuff down and put it in a safe place. That was one of those. I had a file on my desk that was labeled grants.gov that had my original registration and all of that, you know, contact information, all those special numbers. Because you have to have them once in a blue moon. And if you
0: don't have them, it takes a while to get them back. Ask me how I know. (laughs) You've been there,
1: haven't you? Mm -hmm. So that was one of those folders I always told my boss. I'm like, if Amanda doesn't come to work tomorrow because she won the lottery. Girl, it's like a billion dollars now. Yeah. 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 is yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, this is a folder you don't want to lose. So get your grants.gov registration now. Once that's complete, then <laughs> wait. There's, there's more. There's more. Then next, you go to sam.gov, as in Sam-I-M, Sam I am, S A M, and it stands for System of Award <laughs> Management. Not SAM, which is the way we say it. That's S A Y U M. No, yes. this is S A M. Sam. 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 Sam.gov. So if grants.gov is where you can do grant research and grant applications, sam.gov would be more the award management Mm -hmm. side of things. So you go there, and again, you'll have to enter your DUNS number and do a registration. Now, the nice thing is those two systems talk to one another. So the sam.gov registration is normally a lot less intense because it pulls over most everything it needs from grants.gov. But trust me, there'll still be other questions you get to answer. But you go through all that, you get your registration, and finally
0: you are now eligible to apply for and receive federal dollars which is why if you've never written a federal grant for your agency or client before and the grant is due in three weeks and they are not registered on these different platforms that's a big no-no yeah you're probably not going to
1: be able to register to submit that application so go ahead before you even even start your grant research duns number grants.gov registration and sam.gov registration And just know those are both gifts that keep on giving because to maintain your DUNS number every year, you have to update your registration in grants.gov and SAM.gov.
0: And if- you're in a medium to larger size nonprofit. Chances are you already have a DUNS number. So please, before you get all fired up and sit down and apply for that, <laughs> make sure, take a little walk, go visit your finance folks, and let's see if you don't already have yeah. one. Even small organizations. Sure that. Um, I know when I first got to the city of
1: Alpharetta, it was right after DUNS became a thing. Um, and I got there and now we only had 400 employees. So, I mean, not a tiny city, but not huge either. Yet we had nine Dunn's numbers because everybody <laughs> went crazy and they heard about it and everybody, I mean, we had one for every All the department. cool kids are doing the, it. <laughs> Here's what's crazy. We had a resident because they're all tied to addresses. So right. I'm looking up what they're all tied to to figure out who had one. We had a resident that had one because she was raising money to build a, playground in one of the parks which is a great if you've ever been to alpharetta wacky world it is a great children's playground it's amazing wacky it was built world. by residents wacky world inside will's park yes i've been to will's park yes but that's, that's a small part of it but anyway it's great but they thought they might potentially apply for federal grants for the on behalf of the city i guess i don't know i wasn't there at the time so yeah we had a duns number attached to the city but tied to a resident it was yeah so i i went in and we, we shut all those down but one <laughs> we, we a man is one. like we went in <laughs> we shut, shut that them down. down yeah because I, yes. I didn't want to keep up with yes, nine girl. registrations and who nine numbers and, who wants and, that yeah so and i will tell you here's a, a quick warning about fraud there is a company out there I, that, that shall not be named that they have figured out that Registrations are due every year and sometimes people panic about it and so they'll send you a very official looking letter and their logo is very close to the Grants.gov and the SAM. Oh no. Yeah. And they'll say, hey, you're about to lose your DUNS number for the low, low price of $499. We will make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, don't pay them $500 because the re-registration is simple. It'll take you like 10 minutes to and do it. And
0: um, it's, how much does it cost?
1: Nothing. Okay. It's free. Yeah. Well, it's, it's your time. It's the 10 oh, okay. minutes it costs you. But in you. terms of cash, yeah. Yes, uh, yeah, it's yes. free. Yeah, so, so don't 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 do that. Anyway, so very, very,
0: very important steps to even be eligible for federal dollars. So Amanda's got a whole slew of other important items about federal funding that she wants to share with you. I'll continue to provide color commentary. <laughs> Go and I Amanda love you for it. <laughs> um, so uh,
1: it's a good idea to have a yearly outside audit, meaning you hire an outside auditing firm to come in and audit your agency. Federal funders
0: Kind of require that. So, of course, by audit, we don't mean the scary moment when you're sitting at home with your loved ones and the IRS comes knocking on your door because you, like made your pony a tax deduction or something. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about.
1: No, we're just talking about someone coming in and making sure that you have the right internal controls in place. You're following everything. If you have grants, they'll make sure you're doing all the right things with those grant funding. And it's, it's just kind of a
0: check to be able to prove to funders that, hey, we take good care of our money and your money. So for most nonprofit organizations of a certain size, budgets of at least a quarter of a million dollars or so, or more, of course. Every year you have audited financials because that's what private funders will request. They want mm-hmm. to see that you've had this process yes. and to see if there are any findings yes. which are, are not Good findings, necessarily. If things you need to improve, things you need to tighten up. So it's yes. a pretty normal procedure once you're of a certain size of organization. Absolutely. And audits are expensive. Yep.
1: They're they're not cheap. So I understand if you're a smaller agency, that may be one of the reasons why you don't go for federal mm-hmm. funds is you don't really have the money to do that audit. So. Understand that, but just know that's one thing, and then tied to that is you need strong internal controls because, like Kipperly said at the very beginning, when you get federal dollars, you're getting taxpayer money, Mm -hmm. um, which is not being entrusted to you. So, you need to make sure that it's well taken care of, Mm -hmm. that no one's taking advantage, that you're spending the money on all the right things. We talked about internal controls in a previous episode, so we don't need to, so just Google that. (laughs) That's gonna be my phrase of the day. Just (laughs) Google Google that. that. I'm I'm busy, y'all. Really. Another aspect of federal funding um, is you are required to have a conflict of interest policy. So making sure that when you're involved with spending federal dollars that you aren't Doing things you shouldn't do, I guess. Like, not, that isn't even the right way to say it. Let's Let me give you an example of a conflict of interest there you go. here. Say we've got money to build a road and we're going to go out to bid to find a contractor for it. And a lot of times when it's a grant program, I get thrown on the review panel because I know a lot about the project. Mm-hmm. Let's say my husband happens to be in the construction business, which he's not, but we'll pretend for this art sake of the story. Um, and he was bidding on that project. I have no business being on that review team. So.
0: Because you might influence the decision toward benefiting your family financially exactly and that may not be the right decision that's a conflict of interest yes so another conflict of interest
1: to be careful about too you need to make sure when you're writing your grant application if you are using any sort of vendor to help you write a statement of work or write write the grant maybe they can do that but then they are prohibited from later bidding on any project associated with that grant a good example there used to be a um a radio provider, we'll just call them that, that used to call call me up and say, hey, Amanda, we know you're the grant person for Alpharetta. Did you know that if you, um, there, there's grants out there that you can buy radios for your public safety department? And I said, yeah, actually, I was aware of that. And they'd say, well, hey, if you let us write the grant for you, we'll write it for free. And then when you get the grant, you can just buy our radios from us. Yeah, that's a conflict that's of a conf- interest. Yeah, because yeah, again, it's supposed yeah. to be this open and fair market once you get these grants because it's taxpayers' dollars. So they could write the grant for me for free, which I tell them, I'm like, hey, I'd, if you can write a grant for me for free, I will take <laughs> that work from you and probably, you know, do some edit work on it, but mm. I'll take it. Um, but then you're not allowed to bid on it. And that's usually when they'd say, thanks, thanks, goodbye. bye now. <laughs> exactly. So just know that there's conflict of interest policy that needs to be um, followed. Mm-hmm. Another thing is commingling is a big no-no, the commingling of funds. And if you've not heard that phrase before, basically you need a separate account for every grant. And I'm not talking like, You got to go to Wells Fargo every time you get a grant and open up a new bank account. I just mean within your financial software tracking system, you have different account numbers for all kinds of different activities. Um, And so you just need a different account number for every single grant award you get. So there's no question that everything in there belongs to that grant. It makes things absolutely makes the auditing trail easier for your auditors. It makes things easier for you as a grant uh, administrator to manage that grant. Um, It just keeps things nice and clean and it's following generally accounting generally accepted accounting principles. There you go, yes.
0: I have worked at places where they actually use separate banks. There might be one bank where it's general operating, you know, operations, mm -hmm. payroll comes out of that, etc., etc., and a second bank because here in Atlanta. we got lots of drugstores and banks and waffle houses for sure. So there's plenty of banks to choose from and they might use that second bank just for restricted funds. So again, super separate and maybe a third bank even for investment purposes. So
1: nothing wrong with that. Nothing. Um, And then last but not least, um, we have mentioned this in previous podcasts as well, but supplanting is also a no-no. And then the federal, and this is a federal rule only. It has nothing to do with corporate or foundation grants, but you cannot use federal grants for items that you already fund or you're required by law to fund. Um, So I always tell people the way to avoid supplanting is to either do something totally new Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or if you've already got a program you can expand it and do new things or extra or more than what you are already doing Um, what you don't want to do is let's just say we'll go we'll stick with the radio deal let's say in my (laughs) current budget i have ten thousand dollars slotted to purchase new radios this year and I find a grant for radios, and I apply for it and get it. I get $10,000. So supplanting would be then to use the grant, buy my $10,000 worth of radios, and then the 10000 I had in my budget for originally for radios, I'm going to go out and buy uniforms instead, okay. or bulletproof vests, or whatever, tasers, whatever whatever it is. That would be supplanting.
0: And it's understandable why you might think that's okay. Yes, but it isn't with federal funding. Yes. So it's something that you as a grant professional can do to, to just educate. Yes. Because it's not that we don't want people to have uniforms or radios mm-hmm. or whatever it is they need or, or firefighting equipment or whatever it is. But there are just certain ways that federal funds must be expended. Otherwise, either have to give the money back. Yes. Or you get sort of blacklisted. Yeah, Yeah, you could be
1: suspended and debarred from spending money for yeah, or from getting federal grants for five, ten plus years, which would not be good either. So that's the uh, the high points and And the low low points of uh, federal funding. But uh, I I hope I didn't make it sound like it was this awful thing because I have I've helped build parks and bridges and roads, and I've purchased. tasers and bulletproof vests and radios for our public safety just for recreational purposes yes. only. no 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 it was strictly strictly <laughs> by the safety. book
0: public yes. safety so federal funds um, can be a great way to help accomplish your mission wherever you work with great power comes great responsibility that's all we're saying if it was good True enough for story. spider-man it's good enough for us I like and you <laughs> So, again, speaking of great power and great responsibility, we yes. would like to thank our season one sponsor, Grant Writing USA. They helped our dream of a podcast come true with their sponsorship, and they are providing a special offer for our listeners only. To find out more, visit their website, grantwritingusa.com/podcast. While you're there, you can check out their two-day courses taught in all 50 states, and who knows, you might see one of us teaching at one of them. Yes. And remember, there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share training programs and other ways to learn. We'd love for this podcast to be one of your favorite ways to learn. So Kimberly,
1: we've come to the end and I cannot thank you enough for participating in this. So both of us say thank you to our listeners of season one. If you have any burning questions or topic ideas for season two, please drop us a line on our website, www.fundraisinghayday.com And heyday is H-A-Y-D-A-Y. Kimberly, it's been a pleasure. Thank I learned you. new things from you this season. I mean, who else can use car driving in the Tinder app as analogies for grants
0: it's a special skill I'd like to thank the academy (laughs) no I'd like to thank you Amanda for sharing in this kooky dream with me and also sharing the many salty appetizers it took to uh, oh we had lots of outings at Chili's didn't we so thanks to the Buckhead Chili's shout out (laughs) And it's been a learning experience for me. I've learned something new, and that's always the way I want to be sharing what I know and taking in more thoughts for the road. So thank you.
1: Good deal. It's been a pleasure, y'all. If you've loved what you heard, please tell a friend and a colleague about us. Don't Don't be be a stranger. stranger.